Hello, I'm Brian Englehart, and I'm with the Jesuit Post. Welcome to the last talk in the third week of our No Justice, No Peace, a Jesuit Anti-Racism Retreat. As we continue to reflect on the sufferings endured by Jesus and his passion and Black, Indigenous, and people of color, or BIPOC in America today, let us begin with a prayer based on one of Father Pedro Arupe's personal prayers. Lord, Teach me how to be compassionate to the suffering, to the poor, the blind, the lame, the lepers, and all victims of oppression. Show me how you revealed your deepest emotions, as when you shed tears or when you felt anguish, to the point of sweating blood and needed an angel to console you. Above all, I want to learn how you supported the extreme pain of the cross, including the abandonment of your friends your neighbors, and your father. Amen. Today, I'd like to talk about white apathy and how it can prevent us from being committed anti-racists. White apathy is exactly what it sounds like. Our tendency as white people to withdraw, either deliberately or subconsciously, from the struggles of BIPOC, to close our ears and hearts to their cries, and go on as though the suffering of others has nothing to do with us. We may be afraid that getting involved will cost us our peace of mind, our time and energy, and our privileges. This fear causes us to say, that's not my problem, or I would do something if only I weren't so busy, or this is all so complicated and I don't think there's anything I could do to help, or even I think I'm doing enough already. When we are apathetic to the plight of our BIPOC brothers and sisters, we buy into the system that tells us that we are superior, that it is better to keep what we have than to risk losing it for the benefit of another, or that minorities wouldn't be suffering so much if they were more like white people. As anti-racists, this attitude is unacceptable, but easy to fall into for those socialized in a racist culture. So we must remain on our guard. The response to apathy can be found in the aim of the third week of the spiritual exercises, to feel the pain and confusion of the crucifixion. The challenge of the third week is to not back away from the pain Jesus feels at every moment of his passion, but to sit with it and be moved by it, as River mentioned in his talk on Monday. Empathizing with the pain and suffering of another may seem unattractive, pointless, or even harmful, as it certainly threatens our own comfort. However, it can also produce in us a much deeper love for the person suffering and confirm us in our dedication to resist that which caused their suffering. This dedication is further deepened when we can recognize the role we play in causing that suffering. After all, Jesus didn't put himself on the cross. We put him there. And so by attempting to understand even the smallest part of suffering, we can be moved more strongly toward the work of reconciliation. To bring this aim of the third week into a modern context, 
I'd like to look at one example of how we can learn to empathize with a persecuted group in our society and recognize our role in their suffering. Immigrant children who have been locked in cages at our borders. Different forces will try to tell us that as white people, this isn't our concern, that it's really not so bad, or perhaps even that this cruel treatment is somehow deserved. All of these point us to apathy. In response, place yourself with these children, just as you place yourself with Jesus in his passion. What do you notice? Physical pain from a long journey, from wounds left without proper treatment, and from being confined in inhuman spaces. Hunger that weighs on your body and mind. And perhaps most painful of all, separation and isolation from the people you trust and love most in the world. I encourage you to simply sit with these feelings for a while, to see yourself with these children, and to ask that you may grow in love for them so that you may not ignore or dismiss their suffering. After all, as Matt explained on Wednesday, the victims of oppression cannot choose when or whether or not to care. And this intense, multi-layered suffering is caused by white supremacist attitudes and further enabled by white apathy. As white anti-racists, let us strive to eradicate our apathy so that we may never forget what is at stake in the fight for justice. For your personal prayer and reflection, I encourage you to read through Matthew's passion narrative, Matthew chapter 26, verse 17 to chapter 27, verse 56. It might help to choose just one or two scenes from the narrative to pray with such as the agony in the garden or the way of the cross. As you pray with them, simply place yourself alongside Jesus in his suffering. The goal here isn't to fix things or to be the savior, but to empathize and understand the pain Jesus experiences. Ask yourself, what is the pain Jesus feels at this stage of the passion? Am I staying with Jesus in his suffering or am I looking for ways to escape and reduce my own pain? What do I feel as I realize that Jesus is suffering on account of my sins? How does my reaction to Jesus' passion compare with my reaction to the sufferings of BIPOC today? Can I recognize that pain, sit with it, and acknowledge my role in it? This prayer will be uncomfortable, but will also prove invaluable to your growth as an anti-racist. We can only begin the work of reconciliation in earnest if we have taken the time to fully acknowledge the painful realities of racism and are prepared to stand with our BIPOC brothers and sisters every step of the way, no matter how difficult it may be. Let us close this third week in prayer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Thank mm -hmm. you.